0: Hey there, this is Jenny. This is Dan. And this is Rookie Movie Reviews. B Plot. B Plot. B Plot.
1: B Plot is us still talking about movies. Not explicitly a movie on the list. Maybe it's a concept. Maybe it's a movie completely outside of the list. We already did a B Plot for Disney Pixar, kind of talked about. All of them, gave our general thoughts, and since we just finished a six-week series of Kubrick, Kubrick? Kubrick? Ah, yes, Kubrick. (laughs) Uh, So since we just finished a bunch of those, we thought we would give our thoughts about all of them, and why they deserve to be on this list, why they don't, why they're recognizable. Um, Our general thoughts. Yeah.
0: So I've compiled a list, a couple of lists. This list is going to be the release order of these movies, and it's going to be what we rated them. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I swear they are not gotchas. <laughs> so I'll start, I'll start with my first question. Now that we've seen all six,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just off the very top of your head, what would you rate them?
1: Like, how, in general? How would
0: you list them from most favorite to least favorite?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, my most favorite was The Shining, then Doctor Strange Love, Paths of Glory, Full Metal Alchemist, Clockwork <laughs> Orange, and then...
0: Full Metal Jacket.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Full
0: Metal. FMA, Both are on Netflix, and you have got to watch Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. It's a great anime. So, we've got Full Metal Jacket, Clockwork Orange, 2001... Paths of Glory, oh, I don't Shining, want to put, and Dr. Strangelove. Uh, uh,
1: okay, can I see you? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Here's the. Here's what we got.
1: Okay, sorry. Uh, I forgot about 2001. That would definitely be higher up. So I'm going to go Shining, Dr. Love, 2001, Paths of Glory, Full Metal Jacket, and Clockwork Orange.
0: Perfect, cool. And the reason I say I don't mean to throw a gotcha at you is because we've already rated these. And I didn't want your rating today to be skewed by what we have on the list, you know, as... Oh, yeah. Oh, we rank this or that. So, I think that's a great list. I would also put Shining first. Yeah. And I Jack would, Nicholson. I After Shining, I would say, for me, looking back, it's probably The Shining, Full Metal Jacket, 2001, Doctor Love, Paths of Glory, and then uh, Clockwork Orange. Yeah. And... <laughs> For me this list is from my most favorite to not my least favorite. I still liked Paths of Glory.
1: Yeah.
0: But I hated Clockwork Orange. <laughs> so it's it's really a list of my top 4 and or top 5 and then I hated Clockwork Orange. <laughs> it just was so disgusting. Yeah. Um so yeah, I I know that our rankings, our, our specific rating system, would put this list at two thousand one as number one. That's what we rated eight and a half. That was our highest one.
1: That's it's. I feel like if we, I gave it a five. I I started off with a five with. And then I guilted you. Yes. Up.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but it's yeah, it's not I, disgusting.
0: No, I at feel least. like two thousand one is a type of movie that. The more you talk about and consider, the more there is to appreciate. Yeah. And I know that an element of our ratings is we'll both give our individual ratings and try and meet in the middle. Yeah. And I don't mean it to be a strong-arm tactic or anything like that. It's not
1: a strong-arm tactic. It's just... (sighs) 2001 is obviously a classic, and you can't say a classic is bad.
0: Well, you you can. I mean, we both well, said Clockwork is bad. That's oh, classic. okay,
1: yeah. But like, I can call the Scarlet Letter a boring read, but I'm not gonna give it a one because it has such a cultural significance. That's fair. Where Whereas uh, 2001 is like weird and trippy, but it it means so much more than a passive viewing should give it. Whereas A Clockwork Orange, there's rape, there's Mm -hmm. murder, there's violence, and not in the way I like.
0: I think if we compare our top of the list to the bottom, so based on our ratings, not our our off the top list just now, but on our ratings, 2001 is the top, Clockwork Orange is the bottom. And the more I think about 2001, Mm -hmm. the more I remember the iconic scenes like Hell's Death, and being pulled through slip space or whatever. Yeah. And the giant baby and the, the pre-civilization apes. That's what I remember. I don't remember these boring walks <laughs> through a space station. Yeah. You know? And it's more recent in memory. But Clockwork Orange is what do I remember. It made me feel gross. And it was in your face. And I think that the themes of both movies can be argued to be similar. You know, yeah. violence throughout Kubrick's filmography. So
1: much violence.
0: And, uh, you know, 2001 just did it subtly and more thoughtfully and more patiently. And Clockwork Orange felt like it had fucking somewhere to be. <laughs> and it was just throwing everything out there.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. It's really funny that you would call... Clockwork Orange somewhere to be because 2001 felt so slow and I feel like the pacing of Clockwork Orange is pretty on par with modern movies because we're all losing our attention spans Mm -hmm. so (laughs) I fell asleep in Paths of Glory but Clockwork Orange kept my attention despite my attention being mostly discussed.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah that's for sure. 2001 was in no rush whatsoever and I think it was... Its themes were more developed and more potent because of it. I don't know. I'm, this, again, might be like you say. We're looking at a classic and don't want to. Should talk a classic, but come on. I mean, they're not even comparable. Yeah. The Can costume
1: I... design of Clockwork was really good. Yeah. It's if iconic. This... So we talk about this kind of a lot. But if this movie came out today, would it do well?
0: Hmm. Clockwork. Yeah, I don't know. I've it's it's tough to say because there are still hyper violent movies. I haven't seen Extraction. Oh, like Green Room. Yeah, Green Room. There's a good example because I've seen Green it Room and is, it's a good movie.
1: Yeah, I like that one too. We so, could do a B plot about those that trio of violence. Yeah,
0: well, you have to watch Murder Party though. Yeah, and then we should probably rewatch Green Room, but we've seen Blue Room recently enough.
1: I would rewatch Blue Ruin though. Me too. That movie's genuinely good.
0: Yeah, I love that movie. Uh, Quick, I guess, uh, offshoot recommendation. Blue Room and Dream Room, both amazing. Yeah,
1: we should probably watch Happy Place. Happy Place. What? God, I forgot the third one already. Oh, Murder Party. Murder Party.
0: <laughs> Close enough.
1: Happy two Place. Two
0: two evocative words. Let me run, because <laughs> we're kind of towing on... Something else I want to talk about during this particular episode. But first I want to run by you a, uh, the release schedule yeah. of these movies. So the oldest is Paths of Glory. Okay. And the second oldest is Dr. Strangelove. Yes. This is a mistake I made in our previous episode where I said they were the same year.
1: I think you even told my dad that at our hangout. Oh yeah. Our six foot hangout. Yes. Because COVID is still a real issue.
0: With face masks and hand sanitizer. Yes. But I thought that these were both released in 58. And it turns out 58 is not even in the cycle. Um, Paths was 57. And Dr. Strangelove was 64. So we go Paths, Dr. Strangelove, 2001, Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket. That's the oldest to newest release.
1: And then The Shining.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot to write down The Shining.
1: But that was 70. Not 80.
0: Yeah, The Shining was 80. So, my mistake. It's Paths, Doctor, 2001, Clockwork Orange, The Shining, and Full Metal Jacket.
1: Not Alchemist. <laughs> and
0: I also didn't include uh, The Shining in a rating. Oh, yes, I did. It's 2001, Shining and Doctor Strange, Love Tide, Full Metal Jacket, Paths, Clockwork Orange. Okay.
1: Would you so, believe this is our third take? This is our
0: yeah. This is our third take, but <laughs> we're just shooting it off the cuff. I'm, yeah, I'm fine. It's with
1: it. off the cuff. Plot B's are off the cuff. Also, plot A's are off the cuff.
0: Yeah, for the most part, it's we just uh, do research on the plot beforehand, so we know what happened. But yeah. I mean, you can't rehearse opinions first thing.
1: Yeah, I guess not.
0: But okay, so with that release schedule in mind, what I want to ask you is kind of a yeah. big question, but
1: sure.
0: Do you think they got better? As they went on, or worse, as they went on. Do I you feel think... like they
1: got more up his own ass as they went on.
0: Okay, so my counterpoint is that two thousand one is as far up his own ass as he ever got.
1: You think? Yeah. I don't think you can do something like Clockwork Orange without being like, "This is so brave. I'm the director to say this."
0: I. That's a good point. Um, I view two thousand one is just. So ridiculous.
1: An art school major could make that. I don't feel like it's saying anything unexpected. Wow. He doesn't... An art school major doesn't have the budget to make it.
0: Well, I guess um, the same can be said of Clockwork Orange because that... I think these movies are all saying roughly the same thing.
1: All of them. Like, man is bad. Yeah. Also, who gives a shit about women? woman?
0: Yeah. yeah that's, the, that's the other thing I want to talk about. So, I, I, I will argue that you just posed a very searing take. Yeah. Uh, the hottest take. With uh, 2001 being an art school project with a bigger budget. Is that a fair summary? <laughs> it's, an, it's a film student's movie with a bigger budget.
1: You know what? Yeah, I'll fucking say it. It doesn't have anything remarkable about it. The special effects are great, but the writing in it isn't anything extraordinary.
0: I'm. I'm gonna disagree because of uh, two things. Okay. The characterization of the two pilots. So, at the very beginning, mm-hmm. where we learn the like. Hmm. Here's why I think the writing is spectacular in 2001. Okay. Uh, the intro with the Dawn of Man.
1: Yes. Uh, uh, An art student would not have included that.
0: Okay. So we got some common ground there. Okay. The other thing that I'll say the writing is amazing is the subtle characterization differences between the two non-comatose spacemen. Okay. Um, Between Dave and I think his name was Frank. I think that they did a good job setting up Differences of, like, levels of humanity and sympathy towards a non-human being like Hal. And I think in that they show not the gamut of human empathy, but they do a good job of economizing human empathy into two characters. Like, you can be empathetic and kind, or you can be um, utilitarian and kind of cold.
1: So the characters are foils. And what is hell between the two? Technically, he's supposed to be cold and mechanical, like Frank. I think it's Frank, whatever. And then Dave is the symbol of humanity. I don't feel... (laughs) Like, you can not super-characterize one character and make another person the protagonist, and you don't have to be good at writing to do that.
0: So I think what shows some... uh, Some... uh... What's the term to like hold it back a bit and be reserved? Um, patience, basically patience in in writing is that Frank. You know, if a film student might think like, okay, I need to show the differences possible across I want to humans. Back up. Okay.
1: Kubrick didn't write these. He adapted them from different novels.
0: Yeah, that's fair. So he he helped write the screenplays. Yeah. I, I do think know the his accuracy screenplay
1: adaptations are probably good. Okay.
0: So, viewing him as a screenplay writer, do you still think it's? Uh, more... I
1: don't think it's fair to talk about the characterization of the two main men, then, because he wouldn't have written how they are supposed to be portrayed. He would have done a watered down, condensed. Yeah. Watered down and condensed <laughs> version of them.
0: That's fair. Yes. So, I suppose in that...
1: We caught the gist of what they're supposed to be without pages and pages of narration.
0: Which is good screenwriting, right? Like,
1: I'm not going to sit here and say Kubrick is the worst writer I've ever known, because that's simply not true.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I will say that for high-end writers, I don't feel like what he's made is spectacular. That's fair. I don't feel like <laughs> fucking Inception is bleh. But we gave Inception a better score than Clockwork Orange.
0: Yeah, Inception didn't make me feel attacked. Yeah. <laughs> and um not attacked. It
1: Well no. it can attack your soul without attacking your person. There's yeah. it's it hits at my morality in a way that a fucking Woodpecker chooses
0: at a tree. What would you say that's a that's a good analogy. It Clockwork Orange hits at my morality like a woodpecker does at a tree. I feel the exact same way. <laughs> it's it's just so abrasive and exhausting. Yeah. Um <laughs> I'm I'm more hyped about how much I dislike uh clockwork orange than I am about how generally positive we are About most of the discography, because it's all eights and sevens here, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, Maybe my issue is that I take it at a pure entertainment level. And entertaining-wise, Shining is... Shining's, like, really good. But it doesn't make you think that much. Whereas 2001 drags. But it makes you think a whole bunch. Like, even when I say, like, oh, it's... art student could do it I mean it's an adaptation of a novel so there's certainly skill involved in that and I haven't obviously I haven't read the novel that 2001 is based on so I don't know if it's a good adaptation of a book but as a movie it's like whoa crazy and I think most if not all of Kubrick's stuff well that's not true probably his like 60s and 70s stuff Late 60s, 70s stuff, um, more so than is, uh, like Paths of Glory or Dr. Strangelove. Well, Dr. Strangelove is a cult classic too, but I was going to say, I'm not entirely sure about the commercial success of these films, but I know they're definitely cult classics. And I like cult classics. I like Scott Pilgrim vs. the Universe. But also, uh, people who like... Cult classics are typically insufferable because they feel like they're so smart.
0: Yeah, they they found some hidden gem that's underappreciated. Uh,
1: Rocky Horror Picture Show, even. Like, that's a cult classic, but that's entertainment. IMO. IMA show.
0: I'm going to make a claim, and I want to know if you agree or disagree. The best Kubrick movies can be entertaining to watch, and then if you decide to break them down then there's more to be gleaned from them.
1: Ooh, yeah.
0: So, Shining. Yes. Yeah, it's like a tense story of a family. But then if you break it down, there's notes about uh, the common theories of, you know, uh, Native American genocide. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's also themes to be found of sexuality and the marital structure and all of that shit. So there's a lot to read into, but on its surface, it's a damn good movie it's yeah. fun to watch it's, yeah. it's fun to watch it's not it's
1: scary to watch too yeah
0: um, so that's the same with I think our ratings of 2001 being the highest I think that uh, A you were strong armed into it from a 5 that should be acknowledged <laughs> but also there's so many deep themes and just interesting tactics on display in that movie and it is boring and it is long and it, I would argue, hasn't aged that well. No. But then our also, next bias is like Shining and Dr. Strange*, which yeah. both have a lot to say, but are both scary or funny and quick.
1: Yes. Yeah. So my personal issue might just be that I want my dopamine button hit. So I, I don't want to think deeper about a movie. Like, I don't... I don't love analysis of uh, literature. Okay. But I... So...
0: But that's not saying you don't... I mean, analysis of literature is completely different from uh, appreciating a good shot or a good
1: yeah.
0: A good script or something like that. Yeah,
1: thank you. Because I also want to defend myself because I am capable of deeper thought and analysis. Yes. But I know uh, the way... <laughs> thank you. The way I... F- I view movies. Um, I want that dopamine button
0: hit. Yeah. And that's so funny because I know you are into the fan theory subreddit. Yes. And all of that's this, actually true. this hyper deep analysis of complete bullshit in the script <laughs> that can be skewed. Which is that analysis. So I think it's it's not so much that if if I might... Uh, tell you what I perceive.
1: Dude, talk for me because I don't know what I'm saying half the time.
0: Well, I... I, I don't want to say, like, this is actually what you like about movies, Jenny, because <laughs> I, I think when the analysis is inviting, yeah, it's fun to engage in. And yeah. 2001 just doesn't feel inviting, but there's still an undeniable amount to engage with.
1: Yes. So, like, I got excited when we were talking about the old man scene. Yeah. Because... So maybe it's just that if I don't think about it first, I don't care. <laughs> uh, not not to say that because there is this Harry Potter theory that Hagrid is a Death Eater. I never would have thought that.
0: Which is like fifteen pages. <laughs> yeah, <long. laughs> but I love
1: that shit. I love the weird, nitpicky stuff. Okay, I wanna I wanna erase everything I have said thus far because it's all it's all bullshit because let's let's think i'm gonna think this is me thinking it's gonna be a long silence or i'll keep jabbering okay the reason i don't like 2001 a space odyssey that much is because of the long takes and i don't have the patience to deal with it but once I've been subjected to the torture, I'm willing to cooperate.
0: Perfect. I agree 100%. Those scenes where they are flying out replacement parts, or even the super pivotal scene. Pivotal? Pivotal. Where he is flying through the slipstream and seeing all these colors and different planets, which is ages. During these scenes... While watching, him like, "Let's get a fucking move on." Yeah. But now,
1: <laughs> living through it, I hate it. Reflecting on it, tight.
0: Yeah, and I think it's telling that we both put movies like The Shining above it when put on the spot. Like rank them right now. Yeah, The Shining is. Uh,
1: I would call Inception better than all of these. Maybe not The Shining.
0: Wow i I think Inception is more watchable in the moment. It's more, yeah, but okay. it's got less. That's what say. I meant. That's what I meant. Um, so, speaking of what these movies have to say, it seems as though, having seen Six, I'm, I'm not a Kubrick. Uh,
1: no, not a scholar. I'm,
0: I'm not a Kubrick scholar. There are people Kubrick. who dedicate their lives to analyzing these movies.
1: Yeah. And, and it's just one man. Well, it's several men, but it's yeah. just one man's vision. Isn't that crazy?
0: It is nuts to think about. And He's I,
1: not a fucking Aristotle. He's not Plato. He's not Sophocles. No, I'm no. done. Good scholars. <laughs> I
0: don't, that's all of the scholars I know from that period.
1: Uh, or even that
0: period. Are these people even in the same period?
1: No, well, no. Because, like, um... Uh, yes, but also it's like Benjamin Franklin being in the same period as Thomas Edison.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. So... Can, I, I don't think there's much to say about Kubrick's themes that has not already been said, but it feels as though it's all his movies are examining war, sex, violence, and men, right? Like... Yeah. That that seems to be the case, and if we look at these, you know, 2001, that's about human advancement and domination over other fellow humans. Yeah. Not to mention the cycle of life and death at the end. Uh... Well, which can feel line, uh, Which can feel futile. Yeah, uh, but we got into that more. That? No, know. I liked that bit through <laughs> and through. I just you were already singing, so I figured hey, I got some singing backdrop and might as well use this theme song opportunity. Uh, Shining and Doctor Strangelove, Violence and the Marital Structure, and Violence and Men and Sex and the Idea of strange love that we're going to keep women in a bunker. Well,
1: Kubrick had three wives.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: So, what does that say about him?
0: That says that, uh, yeah, <laughs> what is it if you run into an asshole in the morning, you met an asshole. If you run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. <laughs> uh, and then FMJ, Paths of Glory. FM-
1: oh, Full Metal. And Clockwork Orange. I'm so much more used to FMA.
0: Me too. I have I have two more points that I kind of want to cover. Um, point number one that I want to cover is the development of his storytelling through these movies Okay. based on year. And point number two is our big problems with Kubrick. So I don't want to end on a down note, but I know oh. we both have problems with him. Yeah. So first off, if I can kind of get the ball rolling by saying that I have this perception over the year, uh, release schedule that his approach gets... More subtle or more, at least you can argue more about what he's saying exactly. Because we look at Paths, Dr. Strangelove. Those are both very clearly directly tied to real world conflict that everyone is familiar with. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Now we're getting ethereal and weird. Uh, And then, I'm going to skip a key one here. So 2001, and then we've got uh, The Shining which is violence and the marital structure, and then we've got Full Metal Jacket, which is back to a real-world conflict, but it's saying a lot about it. What I skipped in there was Clockwork Orange, because my argument would be that he approaches these conflicts through more and more subtle means over the course of his career, but it's thrown off by this red herring of Clockwork Orange, like right in the middle. He's, He's... Developing these ideas, and then he just makes this blunt, atrocious, and I'm not saying the movie is atrocious, like there's worse movies, there's worse made movies, but the ideas it's presenting and the way it's presenting them is atrocious and gross. So like this development of his movies over the course of the years, like, I don't know, it's all thrown off by this clockwork horn.
1: Well, maybe there are other titles that we aren't familiar with because they're not part of the top 100.
0: That's fair. I've kind of narrowed my view. Yeah. Of sex. We.
1: I don't. Okay. So in his discography, uh, filmography, that's the word when it's movies, he's very anti war. So mm-hmm. he's anti violence. And then a movie like Clockwork Orange, which is. It, it's this guy who's like tugging himself off over how awesome violence is. And it's supposed to be a satire about that. And I, I feel like that it fits but it's not the way he's been talking thus far. So it's kind of weird. I feel like it was him trying to go out of his own realm and it's it's just disgusting. He succeeded, but it's disgusting.
0: Per- okay. Perfect. Yeah, that's that's something I didn't consider. It's all it's satire cuz he's such an established anti-war, anti-violent person that to He's like, I'm going to make the point that I hate violence so much. I'm going to make this movie that makes you sick with violence. Like, and you're going to hate the violence too. And I'm at the helm and you're going to feel gross. So it's like, yeah, that worked and I hate it. But I hated it before, man. And I appreciated your messages before. Like, I was on board with you. You don't have to fucking punish me for it.
1: Yeah, I don't know if he's writing for a specific audience with this movie. Or if he's just... Uh, trying to make a point that he thought he hadn't made yet.
0: Yeah. And I'm sorry for... I feel like I'm railroading us back to talk about Clockwork Orange all the time.
1: Clockwork Orange is definitely an outlier here, and I feel like it's probably the one most deserving of discussion, because the other ones are all government-y. Well, this one is, too. Uh, Clockwork Orange is, too. Because at the end, he becomes part of the government, and that's when he faces true corruption... So I think that's another Kubrick 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 take <laughs> on government sucks. They take sociopaths, they take motherfuckers, they well, daughterfuckers, childfuckers. They take rapists and sociopaths and scum of the earth and they too can become government and that's what I I feel like is just very anti-government.
0: You know, it's so funny because when we watched that movie, I thought of the ending as such a minor part, like, oh, and the cherry on top is he's got a great government job now. But the way you phrase that made me think, maybe the whole point is we have to hate this scumbag, <laughs> violent piece of shit, and then at the end Kubrick is just mic dropping and saying, Your government is made of those people.
1: <laughs> you know, like his That's whole... Kavanaugh, baby. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. His whole point is to say, maybe his whole point is to say, yeah, violence, sex, they're interlinked, and I'm just being taken on that ride when really his true goal is to point out how these people are in control of all of us uh, through backdoor machinations, you know?
1: Which is much darker.
0: <laughs> Which is much more cynical and much darker, but at least it makes some sense of the rest of the movie. Yeah. Cause the rest of the movie truly feels like I fucking get it. We all get it, but then if the actual point at the end is, as you've highlighted, government is evil. Yeah. You know, it's made up of these evil bastards. That's a, that makes me like it a bit more. But I'm still sticking no. with my five, yeah, my four and five rating. There's
1: ratings. better ways to portray it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, though, I want to. Oh, sorry. What?
1: No, I was going to say though, Clockwork Orange is a complete fantasy, so it can be. As outlandish as the depictor wants it to be.
0: Yes. What I was going to say is I want to end on a high note. Okay. So I'm going to ask you first what you really dislike about Kubrick movies. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. And then at the end we'll talk about something that seems universally positive about the six on this list. Sure. So what do you hate?
1: I think you know. Yes. I want to hear it. He's he's a fucking anti-feminist. It feels He's that He's a way. misogynist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kubrick never depicts, well, never. I think his saving grace is, um... What is her name in The Shining?
0: Shelley Duvall's, uh, Wendy.
1: Wendy. His saving grace is Wendy. She is the only one who leaves her abuser. Is a woman, uh, And has power. But she's still reduced to being a mother. So. (laughs) And that movie also has the scene where there's this beautiful young woman coming out in the room. Who kisses Jack. And then she turns into an old woman. Old women are gross. So. (laughs) Just a very. A very not pro-femme guy especially since if you're aware of behind the scenes the way Shelley was treated absolutely tormented and then his depiction of women throughout these top six so maybe it's a reflection of the audience of his that is picking these movies to be in top six as much as it is a depiction of him um thinking back to Passive Glory no women okay fine whatever uh, Dr. Strangelove, the one woman is a woman in a bikini. And then the way they talk about women is that, like, we'll only have the sexiest woman in this bunker. Only women who can really get you hard. And then 2001, no one. Well, there's a woman in the. Uh,
0: Their flight attendant. The flight
1: attendants. And then there's a director lady um, when they're having the conversation before they go to the moon. But it's it's like they don't they don't matter to the rest of the movie, and then in Clockwork Orange, they just get raped, mm-hmm. which is okay, fuck that sucks, sure, it's a movie about a rapist, sure, the only way to characterize the rapist is through his rape victims, fine whatever, and then the shining is just Wendy. Um, who probably has the most feminist power of all these women, but she still mostly gets reduced to all the cooking and all the cleaning through this hotel while Jack tries to write. So I feel like the way Kubrick depicts women is very traditional in a way that I hate.
0: That's fair. And I feel like, you know, as you say, the most empowered and fully realized female character in all six of these movies is Wendy. And it's dramatically ironic or uh, a cruel twist of fate or however you want to phrase it, that the most realized woman throughout the movies is the most famously mistreated actress. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'll put a, I'll put a woman in there that has agency and saves her son and, Combats the uh, pro-slash-antagonist of the movie. But I'm going to fucking kick her ass behind the camera, you know. <laughs> and I'm going to make her life a living hell. Yeah. And that is true of all of Kubrick's movies. Like you say in Clockwork Orange, when Superman is carrying uh, Alex down the stairs. 70 takes. Yeah. Something horrible. So I'm going to... I don't mean to put you on the spot.
1: No, uh, I also, real quick, want to call out how in Passive Glory, the woman at the end was a woman. But that wasn't power. That was trying to solicit pity.
0: Yeah, that was strictly to humanize the male soldiers. Okay. Um, also, Kubrick ended up marrying that woman.
1: Uh, Once. Once or twice that, or three times. That
0: was the woman, I, if I recall my Wikipedia trivia correctly, he uh, died being married to. Um, good. That might be wrong, though. Who but knows? In any case, Super so knows. I'm going to put you on the spot, and before I put you on the spot, I'm going to say I agree 100% with you that his portrayal of women in his movies is limited and problematic and exploitative. Okay. This is like a devil's advocate scenario. So I'm going to say, hey, what if his movies... Aren't about the female experience? What if, what if Kubrick wants to tell stories about uh, soldiers who historically did not include women? You know, like why does he have to? Why is it a problem how he shows women in those movies if it's not even about the women experience?
1: Sure. So, I think the issue is that his movies are supposed to be about the human experience, and unfortunately, women are human. So, all the narratives about power and greed and violence also apply to women. And it's exclusionary to not involve them.
0: That is a much more... That's a... Because we've talked about this topic in previous episodes. Yeah. And I thought that uh, your response would be something different. uh, And your response was actually... That's a whole new and insightful take. Can I... Kind of summarize what we talked about in previous episodes that I recall. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Uh,
0: In previous episodes, what I recall is that uh, you can make those same movies without using a woman as a punching bag, essentially. (laughs) Also true. You can make movies about men and war and violence. And if you want to examine those interlinked things, you don't have to throw a woman in there to be fucked up to make that point you know mm-hmm. you can do all that shit without it uh like in Full Metal Jacket how we talked about uh sexuality and the prostitutes like you can make a reference to prostitution and things like that but you don't have to have a woman come out and be portrayed as this dumb non-agency having uh, slave to her pimp you know and all these soldiers um uh, but damn, your your point about it being universal experiences is is fresh in terms of our conversation about Kubrick, as far as I recall. Yeah. So okay. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah.
1: Anytime.
0: That was really the only thing I wanted to bring up in terms of Devil's Advocate because I just I just know that if some fucking red pillar listened to this critique, they'd be like, "Well, yeah, but World War One didn't really have women soldiers, did it?" And then I'd be like, "Yeah, dude. Okay." great point
1: except it totally did
0: (laughs) yeah right uh not not my version of world war one that i want to subscribe to (laughs) so do you have any other negatives that you want to call out because that's really my big beef he's he's got a limited view of these subjects
1: didn't okay so like roman polanski raped a kid
0: Yeah, he, like, assaulted a 14-year-old or something.
1: Kubrick's top tier. (laughs) Even if I have issues with his misogyny, he's... He's really artful. And sometimes artists are bad people, but they make great art.
0: Yes, specifically, what I think were uh, masterful in all six of these movies were the score the set design, the costume design and just the general filming like all the mechanical yeah. shit how shots were framed and how people stood in the frames I never felt once like that was a weird cut or that was a weird that was a weird setting like that didn't make sense that looked like shit I never thought that I always thought wow this is amazing yeah to to spectate
1: at the very least yeah. Degree. Cool. And then there are people like James Cameron who can do the same shit without being weirdly sexist.
0: Well uh, I am not versed enough in James Cameron movies to say Well he wrote say. the
1: Titanic and we did see some bare tits but also she didn't get raped.
0: Yeah. So I I haven't seen any James Cameron movies recently. Uh, so
1: Avatar. I, um...
0: Yeah how was the female representation in Avatar? You know like not fucking rapey. Not rapey. So that's an immediate point. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, but I'm. T- I don't want to. I don't want to specifically say like, oh, so and so did it better than Kubrick because maybe if we rewatch Titanic through this lens, it'll be like, oh, this is actually a movie about how great of a person Jack was and how pitiful of a lover. Like love struck uh simpleton woman Rose, Rose was, yeah. you know. I don't I so don't know. So Rose that plot.
1: definitely was an abuse victim, I think is the difference.
0: But she was if I recall Titanic, she's recollecting those memories fondly and thinking, if I could only get back there, right? Like oh my love aboard the Titanic, Jack. Yeah. Right? Okay. I don't know. What do you mean she's an abuse victim of, of Jack or No,
1: the guy she was dating while she fell in love with Jack.
0: I didn't even know she was in a relationship at the time.
1: Oh, you haven't seen Titanic very recently enough at all.
0: No, I don't even know if I've ever seen it. So Holy that's why shit, that's why I don't want to say that uh, I don't want to say this guy does it better. He might have just as problematic underlying shit. Okay, that's fair. But if you've seen it recently enough to say like, oh yeah, it's it's not okay. as bad. Uh, in any case, Kubrick is a...
1: Kubrick. Kubrick. Kubrick.
0: Kubrick. He's a guy, he...
1: Kubrick. His
0: technical ability and the things he creates yeah. are amazing. He's a
1: great director. He's an amazing director. He's a sexist.
0: Yeah, his his stories are written by and for men, not humanity. It's for males. Yeah. And he's he's looking white males. Yeah, he's looking at, at white
1: a, Christian males, white American Christian males, <laughs> the most downtrodden of all persons.
0: That I will be the first to say that voice was sufficiently <laughs> sarcastic to display that you were joking. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm torn. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna say he's Kubrick is the best. He's he's good. He's good at everything he does, there's, but watching these <laughs> six is like, damn. When you watch them back to back to back, there's problems. You yeah. know? And I feel like this list is uh, the way they're rated. It's not acknowledging these problems. No. Do you have any final thoughts on this episode about Kubrick? I know the whole episode was final thoughts on Kubrick, but yeah, just to wrap no, this one up. Uh,
1: final thoughts. The 50s to... 80 era, I haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut, um, they, they certainly aren't pro-women, there's another sexual female revolution throughout that time, uh, the civil rights movement happens throughout that time, so uh, Kubrick can be a relic, an artistic relic, and I won't fault him for being a reflection of his generation but certainly with the lens of 2020, it's an issue. And it's it's a good thing I view it as an issue because as a woman myself, I want to feel like women in the future will be represented better and they will have more significance. And it's unfortunate that women were so sexualized and are so sexualized when we are more than Sex objects. Not not to call myself a sex object.
0: Uh, You're a sex object, baby. You're no, beautiful.
1: not... <laughs> bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean... Maybe... Maybe if I watched these in the 80s, I'd be like, oh, that's a good movie. It's not an issue that women are treated this way. But... I'm thankful for my feminist outlook because I can recognize it as an issue and I can uplift my fellow humans through it. Mm -hmm. Because men are also... There's a lot of toxic masculinity throughout these movies that I think we can understand. Like, um... Not Vince Vaughn. Whatever his... What's that actor?
0: From what movie?
1: Full Metal Jacket.
0: Oh, uh... (sighs) Uh, Animal Mother. God. The guy, the guy from, um, Firefly. Baldwin, something Baldwin. No,
1: not even him. The one in the beginning. Goober? Or whatever it is. The fat ass. Oh, uh, Vincent
0: D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. I thought you were talking about Adam Baldwin.
1: Uh, Oh! Who is, like,
0: the hype. The height of toxic masculinity.
1: (laughs) No, the reason uh, Vincent D'Onofrio gets treated so poorly is because of toxic masculinity, which is probably accurate to the military, but he takes all this turmoil and he turns it into killing himself, and I think that's actually pretty reflective of the way men shouldn't treat each other, but then Kubrick doesn't do anything to rectify it.
0: Yeah. I think he just says... In that first half, this is bad. This is
1: bad, this is the way it is.
0: Yeah. Not and I think a truly insightful take would be this is bad, this is how it is. This is how to fix it. Yeah. But what he does is this is bad, this is how it is. Throw your fucking hands up, because it's gonna be this way forever. Yeah. You know, like that that's how all these movies feel to me. Mm -hmm. There's there's no way around this uh, cycle, yeah. Even in two thousand one, like the baby is reborn, this ethereal galactic baby, and I didn't feel like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna do it right this time. It, I feel like it truly is written as a cycle re- restarts, and yeah, we're, we're stuck here. But. Very
1: cynical, which some people feel is accurate, but I feel like watching this movie in twenty twenty, I feel like I have. I haven't broken the glass ceiling, but I feel like my ancestors have put some cracks in it. Yeah,
0: and you'll put some cracks in it, too.
1: All right. Well, I... Kubrick's good.
0: Yeah, large, <laughs> good. he's largely good. He's he's a good director. But, uh, yeah, I hope we didn't offer any searing takes Shit. there or any overly searing takes. And thanks for listening. Tweet at us at RMR.
1: I hope we didn't offer any two-searing takes, but uh, tweet at us at rmr underscore podcast.
0: Email us at rookiemoviereview at gmail.com or go to our website, rookiemoviereviews.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm glad to be done with Kubrick. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye.